Welcome listeners to another episode of the Stimulate Run podcast. Welcome back to returning listeners and welcome to those listening for the first time. I hope you managed to catch up on previous episodes and enjoy what is to come. If you have enjoyed the podcast, I ask if you can leave a review, which will make it more visible for others looking for something to listen to. Feel free to follow me on Instagram at iSwinney88 and Stimulate Health. If you have any suggestions for future guests, feel free to send them through to me via direct message. On the latest episode, I was lucky enough to get the chance to speak to Hannah and Alison, who are two trail runners based out of Sydney who share a love for nature, living life to its full and sharing their experiences with others. In this episode, they both share how they got into trail running. We speak about their careers and also what's still to come. Look them up on Instagram at Sydney Trail Sisters to follow their journey. To my running mates, yep, coffee's on me after forgetting the elevation profiles, and I'm sure I'll hear about it on the next long run. Enjoy the chat with the Sydney Trail Sisters, Hannah and Alison. For our training run this morning, I'd like to welcome to the Stimulate Run podcast, Hannah and Alison, who both form the Sydney Trail Sisters. Welcome, ladies. Thank hey, you. thank you. Thanks for having us. And, what, and we actually just disclosed to each other uh, pre-recording that you guys are sitting in your car after your training run, and I've <laughs> yeah. just ducked out down the street to sit in the car because my little one's about to go for a nap. So we're, um, we're in similar positions, so that's good. So if we ever, if I have to move off in a second, then you know why, and if you guys have to take off, we know exactly why as well. So um, firstly, how did you go this morning? Yeah, really well, actually. It was awesome. We had a shorter run this morning. It's my last um, training weekend before heading off to the UTMB festival to the OCC. Um, so kind of just tapering down for me. So we did the Grand Canyon circuit. It was about an, an hour and a bit um, up in the Blue Mountains. And then um, Alison's got a couple more weeks building up to her um, Hounslow Classic. So she's, she's on the way up and I'm on the way out. Yeah. <laughs> so it was good. But it, luckily it kind of both your training runs linked in with each other. Um, which yeah. you don't really find much, do you? Well, we actually did that on purpose. Yeah. It's funny, um, over the last six months, we had uh, different training goals and we were working towards different races. So I was actually did the Margaret River um, over near you, Owen. I did the, mm-hmm. um, the ultra over that side. So I was doing a lot of beach running and Alison would head up to the mountains. And then so when I got into the UTMB festival, we actually looked up races with similar elevation in Australia. Because we are like, that's it sick of training um, solo during on the weekend. So we, we teed it up and our, our coach wasn't surprised. He was like, classic you girls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we just wanted to run together. So we looked up, Hen was going to be training in the Blue Mountains and then the Henslow Classic is actually on the track that she's supposed to be training on anyways. So oh, it wow. worked out perfectly. Such a luxury that you can just duck off to the Blue Mountains. and yeah. Yeah, yeah we're pretty it's lucky. Pre- it is actually, it's awesome. Love Sydney for that, for sure. So, I heard a Canadian accent. Um, I'm going to try a little something different. So, you guys are actually the first um, pairing that I've interviewed. So, normally it's been one-on-one. So, um, you take that mantle. Um, nice work. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. So, I'd like, instead of normally getting the guests to introduce themselves, I was wondering if you guys could introduce each other. Oh, great. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, who's going first? Do you want to go first? You can introduce me. Okay, yep. I'll, <laughs> I'll introduce Hen. Um, so Hen was born and raised in Victoria. She was born in Ballarat, um, where she grew up with her family there. She 
used to be a tour guide and tour do tours around um, Europe. She ended up settling in Sydney because her two brothers moved here, where she's been building her own personal training and outdoor women's fitness, um, which she's absolutely crushing. <laughs> she also works as a personal trainer manager at a Fitness First Gym. Um, and she's an absolute crusher. <laughs> she's run out. My turn. <laughs> um, so Alison's from Cambridge in Canada. And she has actually ice skated her entire life in a synchronized ice skating team. So she came to New Zealand uh, as an ultrasound tech and then moved across to Australia moved to Sydney to join the ice skating team here and skated for Australia in the World Champs, which was pretty awesome. Um, I met Elle because I became her PT uh, throughout the time where she was competing um, and they ended up doing really well in Worlds and then she retired from the skating world and I thought I'd snap her up as, as a trail running sister and, <laughs> and we realised that we had a whole heap in common. We constantly got told that we were um, looked really similar and into similar things and um, we decided we'd just jump on the trails and live our best trail lives together. Uh, so now she's living in Sydney forever with me, right, Elle? <laughs> Unreal. So do you want to tell me where the idea of the Sydney Trail Sisters came from and what's the pipe dream for it? So where do you, you know, in five years, where do you want to see it? Yeah, for sure. Um, it's a bit of, it's quite an organic thing, to be honest. Um, but how it originally started was uh, we were both really into hiking. So always just uh, nerding out on the outdoors and making sure we got outdoors as much as possible. Uh, and then a client of mine actually was really into trail running. So we, we jumped on the trails and started running and running more and more and ended up in all these crazy places. Um, so it started out as this nerdy dream of just sharing what we were doing. Um, we didn't have a whole heap of trail friends at the time. And so uh, we were just kind of sharing with friends and family what we're up to. And it turned into this awesome experience where we realized we could connect with a ton of people doing similar things um, and became a really cool community where we actually get to share. And we've been given tips about so many different trails or helped people out with their nutrition or, uh, you know, been sent to different different trails or what nutrition tips everything just wanted to have a space to chat about trail running and share like our experiences and you know what we would and wouldn't do again and totally. get some exposure to some of the awesome trails that Australia has to offer yeah and yep. I think as well like there were so many things that we did originally like so many rookie errors that just <laughs> so many rookie I can't errors. even believe now looking back that um I even did and so I think sharing those you know often light-heartedly because they were so silly but um, they make a big difference when you have other people in the community to talk to and, and share those so you don't have to make the same mistakes um, so that's kind of where it came from uh, and then now it's just something that's really really enjoyable to connect with people it's been so cool to turn up to races and and you know meet more people in the community and moving forward the dream is uh, we're both off to to run Zion Ultra in April next year. We'll do the 100K over there. And we just want to connect with as many people as we can and do a bit of like a US, a US trip talking about mental health and trail running and how awesome it is to live life outdoors. Did it get big on you really quickly? So, you know, you had this idea and probably sat down and go, oh, let's, you know, let's start this thing. And did you almost, what was that moment when you were like, oh, wow, this is actually quite big. You know, people are coming up to us and saying, are you guys those people? 
Firstly, what was that like? And can you remember when that first time was? I think the weird thing was, as soon as we made up the Instagram, we were just being really silly um, and really goofy. And we had a, a few good friends just say, oh, no, I think it's got, I think it's got legs. And we were like, what are you talking about? Like, <laughs> we just wanted to have a space where we could record what we were up to. And muck around, really. But yeah. um, there, was, there was a race. It was actually at um, UTA, but a few races beforehand, actually, maybe it was in Tassie, we were running along and someone was running with us and, we were standing with a, a trail runner that we, we really look up to um, and talking to him and this, this other person there said, oh, we follow you on Instagram. And I thought she was talking to him. And then we realized she was talking to us. And we're like, oh, oh okay. And we were just really awkward. <laughs> because um, I suppose you don't sometimes realize uh, the effect or the reach that something like that has. And yeah. It's been a really cool thing with social media, like the, the number of people we've connected with and then become really good friends with and been able to go for runs with that we wouldn't have otherwise. Like it's been pretty mind blowing to be honest. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think it's exciting. Us, yeah, we get really excited about it because every time that it happens we're like, Yes, we've made another trail friend. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then it ends up we end up talking to them and figuring out like what races they're on or if they have any of their favorite trails and it kind of just takes off from there mm. so it's really just about building the trail running community which is so awesome and that's why we have Sydney Trail Sisters as well just to build up an awesome community which is already awesome yeah but I think as well, it's been fun trying to convert people this is my yep. like side mission <laughs> it's like <laughs> I, I've done a little bit of road racing and then to come in and just bring people across to trail. I think it's cool to watch people experience um, the start of a trail run or even during a run. And they're like, everyone's talking to each other. They're interacting. If someone hurts themselves, everyone stops the race and like make sure they're okay. And you have full conversations while they're yeah, out there doing ultras. Whereas if the road running people are headphones in and just in their own game, I just think once you've experienced the kind of magic there is um, out there on the trails, there's, there's no turning back. There's <laughs> definitely no turning back. And everyone's always, you know, happy to exchange trail snacks and salt pills. <laughs> and it's like nothing, nowhere, like no other sport is like trail running. Yeah, just like it seems, it does seem like it's so much like a team environment. Definitely. Um, whereas I suppose on the road, like it, it's just this thing where there's no obstacle. So you know that it's either, oh, there'll be a couple of hills, but as yeah. soon as that gun goes, I'm gone, see you later. Yeah. Whereas you get to the end of it, it's just seeing some even vision of end of trail races. Um, I think UTA was probably one of those ones where you almost have everybody hanging around. And yeah. like Western States where, you know, they have, you see this massive crowd, there's almost more people there at the end than there is at the start. Totally, um, yeah. Whereas you see a road race, and if somebody finishes a marathon in six hours, they're, they're almost packing up the finishing shoot. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, it just seems almost a little bit less competitive on the, like, recreational side. Yeah, yeah, for sure. There's a real, like, battle against self in trail running. Like, I feel like it's a really a, te a test of will all the time. So it's, like, how much willpower do you have to push? But then apart from that, you're really just working with everyone else around you. It feels like a really kind of joint experience. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> And it almost is that real escapism, whereas a road, road race, everybody like, trains on a road, and yeah. you can go to a road race almost every couple of weekends, whereas to go to the trails, you actually got to make an effort to get out there. So yeah. it seems like people are saying, I really need to almost escape my hustle and bustle, not stop for cars at every red light. I'm going out there 
Um, so it's it's commitment. Yeah. Um, yeah. So no, it sounds yeah. awesome, and I think a lot of your stuff seems so natural. So like I don't know if you do, but you don't stage anything. Like your photos seem great. At the end of your run, and you're sitting on the edge of a cliff top. Yeah. And people are almost <laughs> yeah. like, "How good's that?" Like that's just fun. It's not. You're not marketing it, and you know you're not. You're influencing people, but it's not that pure social media influencer type setup. Honestly, as lame as it sounds, it is just sharing the absolute love and joy that we have on the trails and and out there in nature. And it just comes from a very genuine place of of being in those actual spots and in those experiences and then wanting to to share it with people. So I'm glad it comes across that way. Yeah, that's awesome. Do you ever... Do you feel pressure from it as well, though? So going into a race or even when you're out and about, do you feel that, do you have those moments where you have to check yourself, oh, I'm being watched, am I doing the right thing, you know, I need to finish this race, do you have that? Not not really, do you? I don't, know. No. I, I've honestly never thought about it. I, I feel like... I we think just, it's because we're not we're not out there as elite trail runners, you know yeah. what I mean? Like even in our bio it says something like... um what we lack in speed, we make up for enthusiasm. So it's like, um, we were at the start of a race uh, the other day at Rafferty's and we were just like laughing and jumping up and down because we were so excited to do the run. And a guy behind us said, oh, you're the Sydney Trail Sisters. Trust you guys to be this excited at the start. And it's like, that. so I think that's the only expectation. Maybe if we were there being really negative, then I'd feel pressure to be positive. Yeah. And it just doesn't, honestly, it doesn't, um, like it rarely happens. Um, for that end so it's less a performance thing and and more of like a sharing the journey and the experience and being outdoors and the community aspect so I I definitely know some some mates who are more in the elite end and and there's certainly some of that but um, I think the way that we approach trail running and a part of the community it doesn't come across that way so yeah otherwise we'd be stuffed (laughs) because we're not not super speedy I feel like we never hold back from being ourselves on any content that we post on the new yeah. Which is good because it's it's a true reflection, right? So I think there's a lot of, you see a lot of accounts where you sit there and go, I've been there in an ultra. I know that that is not how perky you look. And yeah. that is not, so, you know, if you need to take a photo with your head in a bucket, people go, totally. I've been <laughs> yeah. there. That I have been there. I can relate to you. Um, so that, I think that's the great part about it. We're actually showing people what the reality of everything is. And that's probably why people are actually, I say, committed to like really following you guys. So yeah, yeah just feather on your cap, continue to keep it as candid as you do. Yeah, cheers. Yeah, definitely will do. But it, I mean, there's so much, there's so much hurt in an ultra and like, um, some of our mates laugh at us when we say about like the dark places that you go to, but um, there is a lot of that and that's what makes it so awesome and so fulfilling. Uh, and so I think sharing that a lot of ultra runners could definitely relate because there's just so many of those places where you, you get to that dark place and it's like seeing in that moment what you're made of and what you can draw from. Um, and every race that's different. Some races you come out of it really quickly and other races you just, you just in it and you're like, well, I live here now. (laughs) (laughs) And so, yeah, I think it's, important for us to share that because it's a big part of the process and i think there's a lot of uncertainty in trail running when you know when you turn up to the start line it's almost just like well let's see how this goes and sitting in that discomfort of the uncertainty is one of the 
challenges, but also amazing things about trail running. Well, exactly, because you just went out and did four hours this morning, and you could sit there and go, oh, I'm great for my race, and even in past races, but on that day, you've actually got no idea what might happen. Whereas, you know, training for a 21K on the road, you can go out and knock out a 15 or 17K, and on the day, you know, nothing's really going to kill you. But when you get post that 50, 60 to 100K area, doesn't matter, you know, your training might have gone really well, but you might have average night's sleep the night before and come out exactly. and it could derail everything. Yeah. Totally. And, and you- there's a funny thing, like when I first started getting into trails, a lot of it was because there was no expectation. I think I was in a really stressful, like almost burnt out place at work and everything was built around goals. And so then I'd go onto a road run and I'd know that my pace should be a certain number on a road. And if it was a flat road, I'd have expectations around how quick I should be running. And there was a lot of judgment for myself over that whereas when you hit a trail you're like it might be a six minute k like or a technical trail could be a 10 or 15 minute k like and there's there's no judgment of like well that was a good or bad section it just it just is what it is and I think for me initially that was a big draw card because you could just be more present in it and less judging of of performance and just be like well how did that feel like a lot more in touch with actually your body rather than what your device is telling you Totally. And I think really I only wear a watch when I go trail running because I just need to make sure that I stay on top of when I need to eat snacks. (laughs) 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 Just to make sure that I'm eating enough snacks. So I never find myself looking at pace or distance. Um, I've literally just used it for time. Yeah, absolutely. So I I read somewhere that you kind of took running up um, simultaneously. I'll jump back to that, but quickly... Uh, Hannah, you're from Ballarat, correct? Which is yeah, yeah. That's you know, some people call it running country in a way because a lot of big names have come out of there. How did you, I suppose, avoid catching the running bug for so long? That is such a good question. I have never thought. You know what? I was always a really slow runner, like really slow. So um, I was never bad at. I, I was joking with the girls the other day. I was in shot put and discus and stuff in, in school sports, and I did a bit of swimming. But I was a really slow runner, um, and I was always the last in the pack. And I'd trained for half marathons before, but I could never break pace. And I realise now a lot of that was to do with first of all consistency of training and second of all strength training. Um, so I studied sports science and nutrition um, at uni, but then still was traveling and doing a whole heap of other things. So didn't get seriously into it until I came back to Sydney. Um, so I think it took me to get through my strength deficits to be a, um, a comfortable runner. Cause before that I just get injured all of the time. Um, anytime I'd do more than three runs a week, I'd just have back pain or something would go on with my knee. And so I have a real respect for the role that strength training plays as far as joint stability and, and just the ability to move and, and gain pace. So in the last year especially, I've done a whole heap more um, like strength and power work and just feel better than I ever have. So I don't know if it was that I didn't catch. Um, I definitely didn't catch the bug there. I was more into rowing and other sports, but I think I was just really, really average at it, to be honest. Um, and I just never, you know how I think a lot of people take for granted that you, you're just either good at running or you're not. Whereas yep. now I have true respect for the fact that it is just a process, just like anything. Like, yeah, people are good at running who have done it from a young age, and I did it. Um, 
Does that make sense? Well, I think yeah. a lot of people also associate running with a penalty. Um, so like I grew up playing pretty much team sport the whole way through. And running was always this, oh, you've got something wrong, you've got to go run. Yeah. Um, they still get it now. Like I go down to the rugby club and it's like, oh, how can you enjoy doing this? Like just going for a 20K run. But when you actually take up running, you see that it's absolutely opposite to a penalty. Um, so I think it's still that stigma about it and it will continually be that way until you become one. Um, you go, oh, there's actually another side to this whole thing. That's true. It kind of has that um, that sense of being a bit of a punish. Yeah, you're right in that way. It certainly, But it certainly wasn't like that once I associated it more with hiking or the, the nature side of things. Like I couldn't be more excited now to head out for a run and it's such a different mentality like it feels like a real reward like that moment that I get to head out the door and chuck my runners on is absolutely golden um it never feels like a you know you kind of have to or you you know, like a punish or a penalty in any way so yeah maybe that's it maybe I should have got Monaghetti to train me earlier yeah. <laughs> <Damn>. <laughs> missed opportunity could have been yeah, an elite ultra runner at a younger age I never thought about that <laughs> Um, so yeah, as I said, I read somewhere that you took up almost running simultaneously. So who got the other one sucked in? It had to be one of you. Yeah, Hen, Hen definitely got me sucked in. <laughs> um, she started trail running before I did and then she had signed up for a trail, a trail race and started training and I had kind of just started joining in on some of her runs, but at the time I was, um, still skating. So I couldn't, I couldn't fully commit to to transferring into running because I was also skating at the same time and I have a tendency to roll my ankle all of the all time, of the time. <laughs> so um I uh I I had to make skating the priority at the time so Alison was heading um she's about to head off to worlds and so anytime we'd go for a run I was super paranoid as her strength coach because I was like if she rolls her ankle and it, it can't um you know participate in worlds it'll be my fault so then the moment Coming she back retired you got a nation riding on your shoulders. Exactly. It was so intense. But um, she, at the moment she retired, she was like, oh, we sat down. And I was like, so what are you going to do now? And she's like, I'm just not sure. And I was like, eh, trail running. <laughs> <laughs> just do trail running. So I think I was still in Europe at the time, just after Worlds. And Hen had called me and told me that she was going to sign up for her first 100K race, um, which was Surf Coast Century. And said, oh, yep, this is what I'm up to. And um, there's a 50 that I've um, signed you up for. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so I basically came back from Europe and jumped right into training for, like, my first ultra, um, which I ended up running about five months later. So it was, yeah, it was definitely Hen that got me into it, and I'm so glad that she did. So were you doing running undercover? Because I'm not, like, I know a lot of elite <laughs> athletes they don't really get the clearance to go and do a lot of other sport. Yeah, was I was it... definitely running undercover. The coaches were <laughs> yeah. not happy with me. Like, we'd have to downplay it. Like, no, it was a really easy trail. Like, there's definitely no rocks or stairs. <laughs> yeah, because I definitely knew the moment I started trail running, I was like, oh, this is amazing and um, so different than, than the skating world. Um, and so, yeah, no, it was definitely me turning up to skating practice a little bit tired from a run that I had done earlier and my coach was being like, oh, what have you been up to? Oh, just run for a small, small just, run. Just really, really relaxed morning. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it, it was um, definitely, definitely undercover. 
and I'll, I'll just digress a little bit. So, rolling your ankles—that's uh, it. Sounds a bit strange with a sport where I suppose you need either heavy or heavily strength in your legs. And I dare say you would have done a fair bit of proprioception stuff. So, is that something that you carried from an, an out external in like sport or um, purely from skating? Yeah. Did you roll your ankle a lot in skating? Yeah, I've rolled my ankle quite a bit in skating just with sometimes you fall in awkward positions and um, ended up tearing a few ligaments. And then since then, um, with the trail running, I do tend to roll over on my ankle quite often. Um, And so at the moment, I'm actually um, working on strengthening that... uh, it's really just my right foot all the time, but I'm working on strengthening it now and making sure uh, that I'm doing everything that I can to change my run technique so that it happens less often. I suppose, like, with your um, ankle in the ice skate, like, any time you'd go over it, it would be pretty significant. And, like, mm-hmm. you'd fall quite, like, every now and then on the ice. So you tore them pretty bad, right? Yeah. Yeah. So one of them's not there anymore. Yeah. 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 So <laughs> just <in a> couple. <laughs> yeah. So I think now it's more just it just goes pretty easily. Yeah. Um, yeah. But surprisingly, don't have any pain. Um, this every so often it looks like there's a golf ball coming out of my lateral ankle, but we've we've called the golf ball Hank. We're like, oh, Hank's back. <laughs> small face coming out the side of her leg. <laughs> So I think that's luckily been the only injuries that we've had. Yeah, and for such a sport that is high toll on your body, um, yeah, you're probably lucky just to look. There's no real residual um, injuries that have hung around. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, So you both work in the fitness industry, am I correct? Um, Yes, we both do. Yeah, Um, Han works as a PTM. Yeah, I'm a PT mm-hmm. manager um, and, a, and a trainer, have my own business, and Alison does some, like, coaching with me, but then there's an ultrasound tech that so does um, scanning of uh, musculoskeletal and all that fun stuff. Cool. So how did these career choices come about? Um, so I've wanted to do it ever since I was younger. So when I was 16, I was like, first of all, I want to walk across Spain, and second of all, I want to um, uh, run health retreats. And so I went on to get all of my qualifications, so um, outdoor education and leadership, uh, and then did a bit of tour guiding. I did a Bachelor of Health Science um, and then went on to PT um, and then started doing health retreats with my clients. Um, And then the the goal in the future is working towards, I'd love to do trail running retreats with with Elle um, in Australia and New Zealand. So that's kind of where that's that's headed to um but now just really into development of other trainers so absolutely loving that for me um and i'm lucky enough to be one of those trainers <laughs> so i just started um working as a pt and fitness instructor um with him about a year ago now which has been awesome and then i also do ultrasound um which has been my main career for the last eight years um i headed into ultrasound because i knew that i wanted to be in the health field helping other people and it, I knew that I could also travel with an ultrasound degree to other countries and work in different countries. And that's sort of how I ended up here. Yeah, but also Alison's doing really cool stuff, like heading off to Vietnam soon to like train people up over there and it's just gone to Fiji. So it's a pretty cool opportunity with ultrasound. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So do you find working in the industry and having a knowledge about 
the body and the anatomy helps you as runners and how so? I think it helps a lot actually. Um, and how so? I think, I think it helps to understand what's going on as far as fatigue and recovery in a big way. Um, and understanding like a bit more of the science behind when to pull back. I think, um, you know, if you're just going off always of what your coach says and not adapting for how you feel and if you don't understand, understand the mechanisms at play, um, there's a big risk of overtraining. Um, so I think that's a big one. But also, I mean, for me, like I pretty much live in a gym when I'm not out on the trails, I'm in a gym. And it just means that I can get out and do all my strength training pretty easily. Um, which is a big plus, and have access to a lot, a lot of good uh, strength coaches there. So that makes a big difference yeah. difference to me. And I think also learning about the body and how everything is so connected. So if you're having knee pain, um, it's probably not actually coming from your knee. It's probably coming from a hip or an ankle instability, and then figuring out what you can do to strengthen that so that the knee pain stops. Things like that have been really helpful. Um, and we talk about it a lot when we're both running as well. Um, you know, one of us will be like, oh, this knee hurts, and then we kind of work it out between us. That and sometimes I'm just thinking about um, often like when we'll both get, get home or whatever, we both know active release techniques and mobility drills and um, a bit of massage and a whole heap of things like that. So we'll be like, lie down and I'll release this and then I'll floss your knee and then I'll like, <laughs> so and it's like having having a PT or like a coach around that knows you really well all the time um, I think that definitely helps just flesh things out so I think things never get um, touch wood never get too serious before we kind of one of us spots it and um, that's definitely helpful yeah I love I love how you you, oh, go, sorry, on, sorry. you go there you go I was going to say with running um, with each other as well we tend to notice when each other's technique goes a bit off which is super helpful because then we just kind of remind the other person, oh, like your left foot's dropping, wonder what that's about. And then we kind of have a chat about it, do a couple of activation exercises well, I just yell on our way. I just yell out, <laughs> cadence, cadence. Yeah, <laughs> Use your arms. <laughs> I love how you said, you know, the actual reason might not be where the pain site is. Because every time, yeah. like I'll go into the gym and see people sitting on a foam roller for half an hour, on their ITB and I go, what are you actually doing? Yeah. You know, you, it's, there's actually po it's pointless. Um, and I think the ITB is probably the most common one that people kind of over-diagnose, um, where it just might be instability or a bit of strengthening somewhere else. Yeah. Um, so I think that's a big one, the difference between as well, like th something I've learned is that it's not always the answer to stretch. A lot of the yeah. time it's to activate. Um, yep. And understanding the difference between the two can can be a huge game changer. So rather than just always trying to turn stretch, often you know something might feel tight because it just needs a bit of activation, a bit of help along. So more going towards the strengthening rather than constantly like stretching or over manipulating things. That's been a big recent learning curve. And it's generational, I feel. Um, you know, I know my dad's vintage of runner. It's like, oh, we put our Casio watch on and you go out and run and eat, eat heaps of carbs during the week. Whereas yeah. I think, like, the current, like, our generation, you sit there and go, I'm going to do activation. I'm going to do the 1% for recovery. And, like, if we met up with, you know, if they molded now, they'd be sitting there going, what stupid rubbish are you guys doing? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we, like, we just put a pair of shoes and an old T-shirt on and went out. Um, 
But I suppose that's just development of the sport and all sports like that. But running just seems to be that one now where little things have moved away from the simple part of it. Um, but then some have taken a massive step, like injury prevention and um, treatment is definitely one of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And I think um, something that maybe has become big recently, and it's not just for running, it's but especially in ultra when you've got such high stress levels, is the importance of recovery and sleep. And it's just... I think almost more than anything else, um, it's just such, it makes a huge difference between a good run and a very, very average day out. Um, so focusing on that has been something that has been um, changing as far as the running world. Which is simple as well, getting yeah. enough sleep, start there and then go from that. So do you both practice what you preach? Like it's pretty common when you do something that intertwines almost with your career that you don't always do as you say. Like I know, for example, hydration is my biggest thing. I know that I've got a high sweat rate and I'll have a bottle with me straight after the run, but it'll take me almost till midday to actually start hydrating. Um, Do you pretty much, what you might tell a client and your fellow runners, do you do them as well? Trying to think about a specific example. The the main one that comes to mind, I, I actually think we're pretty... We're pretty good, like as in almost everything that I tell a client I do, with the main yeah. exception being a warm-up. <laughs> it's so bad. <laughs> it's so bad. And we do like sometimes we'll do some activation, but most of the time we get to a trail and we're like, okay, it's time now, and then we'll just chuck on our shoes and go because it'll be freezing outside the car or whatever. We'll be running late, and so we'll just do it anyway. So that's, I mean, apart from that, we're pretty nerdy about it. Like, yeah, like my cousin was um, visiting from Canada a couple of weeks ago, and he was seeing, like, our routine of what we normally do, like, with taking magnesium and making sure that we're, like, hydrating. And he was like, can you just walk me through your routine here? Like there's a lot of things happening. <laughs> so I, I, think, I think we're pretty good with those things. But, yeah, definitely warm up, um, warm up for sure. Yeah, I think we all do it, though. Because yep. then it just becomes this, oh, the run starts at 6.30. I'll literally pull into the car park at 6.29. Exactly. And then I'll go run for four hours. For sure. And you sit and there and go, really? That's what you expect your body to do without warming up? Yeah, yeah exactly. So normally, like, the first 2Ks are a little bit slower. Or then for me, it all, I hit the, the 20K mark. Normally, I'm like, oh, my legs have joined the party. I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe a warm-up would help. <laughs> Whereas I'm the opposite. My legs are, like, ready to go right from the start, but then I'll get halfway through a run and they'll start to um, drag behind. <laughs> yeah, we always switch. Can you give me... So this is back to... I suppose I want to give you um, examples from each other here. Can you give me the best qualities of each other as a training partner? And then which qualities would you steal from each other if possible? Oh, oh. <laughs> that's such a good question. Um, I would steal Han's ability to power up hills as quickly as she does. She's an absolute weapon going up um, any incline. Um, one of the best qualities about running with her is oh, her constant push and dedication to the run um once she started she's going for it (laughs) (laughs) i I think i think what i'd steal from you so allison as a um, synchronized skater background she has this insane capability that she can just run at the same pace as anyone she runs with so it doesn't matter if you're like running five minute k's on a trail 
or eight minute Ks, like that'll be her pace for the run. So she'll just be able to pace anyone and she doesn't seem more tired or less tired. But then she could pace some really, really fast runner and then they'd leave and then she'd slow right down. <laughs> I don't even, it doesn't even make physiological sense. It still blows my mind. But if I could steal anything, I would steal the ability to pace anyone and just make sure I was at the front of a race <laughs> and just pace the winners. <laughs> um, so that's always amazing. But one of the great qualities about running with Elle is she's always super supportive um, and, and positive. And in the first part of the race, she definitely always carries like the energy for probably the first 20, 25 Ks. So I really feed off her in that time. Um, and then at some point we, we tend to swap and then I'll speak, like have the back half. And so it, that works really well. I think um, we complement each other other well on that. And she's always so keen for a snack. Like, I don't know if you noticed, <laughs> like, it, like 20 times already now. So um, it's also like good to run together because she's so on top of that and very well organized and planned. And um, I think always looking out for like future Hannah and Elle, like making sure that we're, like well um got the nutrition down and the hydration down that's a good question yeah, that's a really good question <laughs> so you're that runner that turns up to a race with a pack of everything so if anyone oh, is yeah. mr gel or you know even the even a pack of marshmallows you probably got it hidden somewhere in your massive pack of totally of goods. i have like backup gels for my backup gels yeah we have <laughs> all right pack those um extra bags of snacks but then like even on the UTA, you are giving away heaps of, like, extra snacks and salt tablets and yeah. stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah, I try to make trail friends by sharing snacks. <laughs> Every race so. needs that person, so don't stop doing it. Yeah. yeah. There's always that person who she's, turns she's up to race freak. and goes, oh, she's no, I forgot my gels. She's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, like, there's always that person who forgets their gels, and you'll be their knight in shining armor that goes, here you go, so keep doing it. Well, actually, we had a friend turn up to the UTA. Uh, she was doing the 22 and she'd never done it before. And we got up to the Blue Mountains and so she said, what's a mandatory gear list? And we're like, oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> and so she had no kit. But luckily, we brought a, a full extra vest and all of the extra gear. And so we just made a whole mandatory, a third mandatory oh, wow. gear kit. We're like, no worries. <laughs> so it, it helps being like being like that sometimes so i had a friend over here who did uta or both of them actually and they had to go to a local place in perth to get checked off and yeah so it's amazing that they pretty much yeah went all the way to the event and didn't have the gear exactly and so they um they checked at the finish line this year they checked everyone which was pretty different they just did spot checks i think yeah last year, i think so. they got checked three times yeah um which was yeah like i had all of the things but i was surprised that they were good for safety so chance, but really did they get halfway through your check and just go well you've got enough it's fine we'll you've, keep you've going got, you've got too much in fact <laughs> yeah. you're disqualified because you have too much gear you're carrying too many calories <laughs> <laughs> so you've done some amazing events and you know some of the things that you guys have already done people would probably still never even do in their lifetime how did you come about picking these? Is it a case of I want to go to that location and or there's a race there or is it I want to do that race and it's in a nice location? Um, some of both actually. Um, no, I, I feel like it's more like the UTA started it all, right? I think for, for me anyway, like I was just really obsessed. Um, and <laughs> it was just such an epic vibe. 
but then it became like we wanted to go to Tassie and that one was a charity race. And so that mm-hmm. was a really cool experience. Like there weren't many people there. And that was more about, I think that's the only one we've done just for the race. Um, or maybe it is a mix of both. It's kind of like working out, like uh, after we finish a race, we're like, cool, well, what could we train for now? And then we just search a ton of different races and come to a happy medium. I think that's more it. It's like, okay, well, where's a race in a location that we'd like to also go for a holiday in? Um, and that's at a decent distance that would be a challenge, but we could still make it. And then we kind of come to this epic conclusion. <laughs> yeah. And it was, it was interesting because my mum had asked us the other day um, if there was a distance that we would ev- not ever run. And both of us sort of just sat there and neither of us really thought of a, a limit yeah. on the distance that we would run for a race. So I don't want to, like, it's not like we're going to go and ro- run like Moab tomorrow. But I don't want to say no, but we wouldn't you know? rule it out. Yeah. So I think it's like every race we just go back to the chalkboard and we're like, cool, well, well what would be next? Um, and, then, and then work it out from there. But normally it's based around a trip. Like um, UTMB, as soon as I got into the OCC, I was like, cool, well, now I'm going to Europe for three weeks and off to the Dolomites and kind of just build, build holidays around the races. Uh, so you mentioned your, um, Tasmania. And you ran Tasmania primarily for a cause. Do you want to share a bit more about that? And is is running for a cause something that really resonates? Like, is it really close to you guys? Yeah, definitely. We um, ran the race in Tassie to save the Takiana rainforest. Um, it's a rainforest in Tassie that is being destroyed by logging companies. And so we raised, I think, just under $5,000 for that um, race. And it was an amazing experience to be there. Um, as soon as we actually got there and met everyone else that had been there, all the fellow runners, you could just tell right away how passionate everyone was about wanting to save this part of, of Tassie. And to be able to run that section, it was just, it was so wild and beautiful. Um, so leaving that, we both felt really passionate about wanting to be a part of more things like that. For sure. And I think as well, like, doing it for good like for for a good cause and and a greater cause it was really awesome um especially there was only about 50 or 60 people that that ran the race and it was really interesting because um it it was on private property some of it and it was on aboriginal land which you can't normally run through um but actually the morning we got up to start the race uh, we went to go and get the bus and the buses had all been blocked in by the forestry people um, so we couldn't actually even get to the start of the race. So our um, awesome friend M actually jumped in the car and drove us um, the back road in convoy with all these people trying to sneak around the protesters who were forestry people who were, you know, their, their livelihood is logging these forests. So it really made the cause very obvious as well. Um, you know, we were kind of in the middle of this battle and, and running at the time that it was all happening. Um, and we, we crossed the finish line. There was like two people there. Um, and one of them, you know, was the head of the Bob Brown Foundation. And, and it was just a really cool experience. Yeah, it definitely felt, felt very different. Didn't feel like a race at all. It felt more like a movement. Yeah, for sure. Perfect. So road races don't seem to have really taken your fancy. Uh, do you think you'll potentially see yourself dabbling in road races and then you'd have to reinvent your handle um, <laughs> is it something that you would you know like a road ultra does that uh, possibly interest you or not really so i did the new york marathon um 
and that's when I was doing more road running and that, and that was cool. It was such an awesome experience, but my knees were absolutely shot and it's just, a, it, it, I just don't have the same passion and passion and enthusiasm for it. So yeah. I think if it was a good cause and someone was like, look, you could raise this money or someone needed like a client needed a pacer and we're like, would you do it? I definitely wouldn't say no, but I'm not going to be like the first one busting to get to the start line. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Did you have a, did you know a really good road? I've got ultra? a road ultra for you. What is um, it? A lot of, a lot of my mates are recently going, yeah, of course he's going to mention it. Um, have you ever heard of Comrades? No. Uh, it's in South Africa. So it's, yeah, just under 90 Ks and one year is an up and the next year is a down and you get about 20,000 people and it's a 12 hour cutoff. So look into it. I think you could, and you can raise money for charity and, um, yeah, the vibe is second to none. So really? it's the oldest road ultra, um, I'm pretty sure, in the world. Oh, so, cool. And I know the 100th, the 100th is coming up. So, and they're looking at getting about 30,000 people. So oh, wow. put it on the list. It? It's in June. Okay. So right. we'll put it on there. We'll put, it on put, there. It, put it on the list. That could be, that could be your road ultra. What's your um, next race? I'm running Perth Marathon in October, um, okay. so I've got, I think it's 50-odd days to go. So potentially it's a qualifier to go and do Comrades again next year. So I've done two down runs, and potentially if all stars align, I'll go back and do it again for my third. I'm avoiding the up run, and I have no hesitation and no shame in saying it. <laughs> uh, I just, yeah, so I have to do one one day. What's um, the elevation but, like there for the up run? Uh, so the down run, for example, you climb, um, all the way up and then you're dropping on the second half. So it's eccentric load on the, on the down, on the down run. Yeah. I can't exactly give you the, the amount of the up run, but it's pretty it's much good. straight up. It's a straight up the whole way. Um, <laughs> one of the, yeah, funny. so it's straight up. So you're looking at, you know, 3k climb and that kind of thing. So in different sections, yeah. um, but maybe the up, up run is more of your go. Uh, for me, Definitely the down run, the down run is a. I feel it's a lot uh, nicer race because you're going into Durban, which is the biggest city, and you finish at a massive stadium. But uh, they'd say you're not a true comrades runner until you've gone up and down. So well, there you go. It's gonna happen. I know. To you. <laughs> it's gonna have to happen, and yeah, I'm just avoiding it for a few more years until I'll I'll dabble in it. Um, That's awesome. So, well, you haven't ruled it out then. Potentially, you might do a right, but it has to be the right thing for the right cause. Yeah, so, yeah, well, yeah. Maybe you'll do comrades one day. Yeah, <laughs> we're a definite maybe. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> maybe. So, like, I don't know, just looking out from the outside, you both seem to live an amazing life. And, you know, you work in your passion and your hobbies give you balance. Was this always a goal for you guys for this to happen? Or did it just... You know, you you just fell into your careers and everything else has kind of happened. I think um, it's always been the direction of things, but um, you know, it's, it's, it takes time to tweak lifestyles. So often, you know, you might be in a in a job that seems right, but then you take a small shift and there's actually a better better position for you to be in or a different way to take your business. And so I think it's it's a culmination of a lot of small changes over a a number of years especially I'd say like the last four years for me have been like very purposefully 
just making choices where I'm like, okay, what lights me up? And then doing more of that. Like, how can I contribute positively? What lights me up? And then just honing in on exactly those things. So being quite um, purposeful with um, how I spend my time and the people I connect with and making it meaningful. Um, so I suppose it definitely hasn't been something that's just happened, but it's more out of out of making making choices that lead to to the positivity that is now life. <laughs> totally, like yeah. exactly what Hans said, and I think it's it's a combination of accumulative small shifts that yeah. have led to where we both are at the moment, and we're still shifting as well. Hundred yeah, percent, still like, constantly shifting. Like every and... every week is like a re um, evaluation and and making those decisions and choosing again you know and I think um it's just making those decisions each day to choose the stuff that lights you up and and that are positively affect other people as well and making sure that you have space for those things as well mm. for sure oh, perfect so you've mentioned that you've got something in April next year already locked in oh my god uh, so excited. <laughs> <laughs> yeah in terms of races to come like I know next the 24th of August there's a big one do you want to firstly talk us through that? Because a lot of people would know of Mont Blanc, but they don't actually know the events or anything around it. Um, yeah. And then what's what's almost on the calendar locked in already? So um, I'm running the OCC, which is 57 kilometres. Um, you start in Switzerland and then run back into France through the Alps. And that's got four and a half, about four and a half thousand metres of elevation um, and, and partly at altitude up to about 2,000 and 2,200 metres, I think that is. So that's going to be interesting because it's it's quite a hiking focus, um, I believe, um, more than, you know, other flatter races. So it'll just be a ton of hills. Um, I don't really have an estimate on time yet, but that's the next one for me um, that'll be big. And then, and then I have the Henslow Classic which is up here in the Blue Mountains on the 28th of September, which is a 68-kilometer trail race. Um, again, I think it's about 4,000 elevation. And again, I think I'm setting out for a day of lots of uphill hiking. Mm. Um, so, yeah, those two for sure. Um, and then we head off to Zion. Um, Zion in Zion National Park, Zion Ultra, we're doing the 100K there. Um, and that I didn't realize that was a high desert. So that's an altitude. An altitude. <laughs> <laughs> but um, we've got a crew that um, is leading up to about 30 friends going over and doing distances there, which will be heaps of fun too. Um, did you want to know anything specific about Mont Blanc? Um, yeah, like just, so how are the logistics of it? Um, yeah. You, you, it's, the race is on Saturday, is that right? Actually, mine's on the Thursday, so it's all mixed up because there's some really long races there. So the kind of the festival moves. I think it's from the 24th until the, um, the maybe it starts on the 25th, and it runs for four or five days with different races going. Because some of the races take up to three days, I believe. Um, like there's TDS. Um, one of them has one uh, 2100 meters of elevation sorry 21,000 meters of elevation so it's wow. crazy like really 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 nuts um the cutoffs are you know a couple of days for a race like that um and then Mont Blanc itself is like 160k so they're just they're just really big big races so it's funny because my race in that in the scheme of things even on the website is considered non-ultra <laughs> Like I'm aiming for like approximately, I think somewhere around 15 hour finish time. Um, and it's considered a, an entry level non-ultra race. So 
um, it'd be really cool just to be there, honestly, um, less about my race and more about just seeing what people can achieve and, um, and watching people cross the finish line, having given it their all for days, essentially. Um, and I know to, to get into something like UTMB, you actually have to have done a couple of hundreds within a year or so. Um, and they have to be hard hundreds as well. Um, and then once you're in, you know, you get through a lottery and the chances of getting in are pretty slim. So by the time you get over there, they're elite. They're elite distance runners. They're really strong, strong runners that are absolutely in awe of them all. Um, and even some of them don't make the cutoff. Like quite a, quite a lot of people DNF and don't get through the race and become, um, you know, like have hallucinations and all of that. So I just think being part of it, and seeing what that festival is about, um, it's a really, really big dream for me, actually, to get over there and check that out. And I think being over there is just going to set off a whole heap of questions about all those other big races like Western States and Moab and all the ones that seem quite out of reach. Um, so I'm super excited. It'll be amazing. I wish I was going. <laughs> Sounds unreal. And I saw somewhere that Western States is definitely on the radar. Yeah, it's definitely yeah. on the radar. A few of our hard out trail friends were saying that they were like, we'd never do Western States. And I was like, oh, that's, oh. that's scary. But now I just got to put that aside. And I think it's, I think it's out there. I think it's out there for sure. Yeah, I think, I think it would be just a cool thing to be part of um, as well and just see, see what it's all about. Yeah, definitely. Well, you have no problem with comrades because comrades up run is just under two thousand meters, <laughs> and the down run is and a thousand. Back, back so, yeah. <laughs> I had to find out while you were talking what it was because I, I don't know a few people that will absolutely kill me if I don't tell you. But um, yeah, unreal. So this for a lot of people that would sound like a trip of a lifetime. Um, yeah. But you know, you're, you're just getting them done, and it'll be such a learning experience, like you said. To, witness people going through that zone almost that you know death zone some people call it and um it's a learning experience for them but definitely for you when we were talking about um doing a a miler a hundred miler there were a few friends just said look have you been to a finish line of a miler and we said well no not yet no like okay well that's the first thing that you have to do is just stand there and watch the carnage yeah um and so I'm actually got the job. I'm really excited about pacing a friend for the back back end of his um, Tarawera in New Zealand, the Tarawera Ultra. He's doing the mile yep. there. Um, so just I think being more involved in those those epically long distance races uh, and just watching what it really takes. And and I know we both have that. We both have what it takes. It's just about building an engine big enough um, to carry us across the line. So I I think there's definitely a mile in the future fairly soon. Um, oh, but we'll just get through. Yeah, I just <laughs> yeah, said it. I know that is. Well, let me know when you're going to do it because You'll I've come? just got this thing that I I want to do one as well. Oh, um, yes. I don't know why I want to do it. Like, seriously, don't know why. But, yeah, I just for some reason what I've said, I will, I will do one. Um, so let me know. Like, Tarawera looks like that's definitely on my bucket list. It un- looks unreal. Um, yeah. But, yeah, if you guys do it. A miler, then yeah. If I'll... you're doing, if you do Tarawera and you need a pacer, Alison will pace you back. It's true. <laughs> I, I, I would pay yeah. for that. <laughs> well, at least I know I won't run out of nutrition, so I'll be perfect. Exactly. Right. I'll have all the snacks. <laughs> <laughs> so, build up to a race. Do you want to talk me through a normal week, like training week, or even uh, with work included, just so it shows like a bigger picture? 
Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so we would do about four one-hour runs during the week with uh, one longer run on either Saturday or Sunday. So our runs during the week, um, normally there's a 60-minute easy run, um, a 60-minute interval session. Um, a hill session and then maybe like a fart lek or something. But recently we, we both work um, like 12 to 14-hour days during the week. Mm-hmm. And so it's been a bit tricky to fit um, fit those in. So we've been loading up on the weekends. So the weekends will kind of range between normally a two to five hour long run. And then we've been doing a, a double run. So one on the Saturday and one on the Sunday to make up any missed volume during the week. Um, and then we'd both try and get to at least two strength sessions um, during the week as well. Um, with this kind of training at the moment, there's just been so much elevation though that it's been very much a like try and get through as much volume as you can and then see how energy levels go. Uh, so at the start of the year, I was working like an 80-hour week um, and trying to train for the Margaret River Ultra and just hit hit absolute burnout mm-hmm. because I didn't really take into account the amount of stress. Um, you know, like obviously Ultra puts the stress on your body, but then so does working so much and then not sleeping and all of that kind of ended up in just being absolutely shattered. So now I think... Um, Alice has been in a similar place before too. And so we're just really mindful of, of watching that fatigue level. Um, so it is very much a, an act of balance and being like, cool, well, if we do that today, how will we be tomorrow and what will we need to adjust? It's like a, we start each week with an ideal plan and then it changes 25 times before the end of the week, but it's just working as closely as possible to make sure we hit the volume in the end. Um, and don't sell our soul for it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We just come out um, still happy and rested <laughs> on the other side. Yeah, and just I think yep. listening to our bodies and what they're telling us around training. Um, there's been a few times, especially in the last week, where I think we tried to go, yeah, it was last weekend we went for, we set out to do a three-hour run, and about halfway through we both just called it because our bodies were mm-hmm. feeling just a little bit off. Um, and we definitely could have pushed through, but it would have been at a cost. Yeah. Um, so just really listening into what our bodies are saying as well and learning to adjust to the training plan. For sure. Yeah, I think that's huge. Like, you know, one session is not going to make a big... Um, so, if, you know, if you three Ks into a 10K session, it's not working, not feeling right, pull the pin instead of, you know, struggling through that last 7K. Yeah. Start again tomorrow. So For sure. For sure, exactly. Or even like we've been doing it, so then we'll do a split run. So we'll finish it that morning, cut it short, and then do an easy hour at night. So there's just so many ways around trying to like build the volume in different ways. Um, but I've known from experience if I, you know, do push on through that last, say, 7K, then the next two days you might be totally out or borderline injured. Um, and so the difference that it makes to actually call it more often than not is, is, a, is an absolute win. Yeah, definitely balance um what does balance mean and burgers and beers and that kind of uh sorry when you're just breaking up there a little bit uh, sorry (laughs) are you there yeah i can hear you now you're just breaking up a little bit all right sorry i think we're cleared up now should be right yes Yep, okay, cool. So I was saying, you know, for the sake of balance and you get invited out for drinks and burn, are you the type of people that go 
it's not actually going to impact anything. Um, it cut out a little bit Very there, but I'll, I'll just... No burgers. Okay. <laughs> okay um, I, I cut out a little bit, but we'll answer as best as we can. Um, so I think uh, we're, we're pretty strict on the things you know have a high impact. So stuff like um, if friends are invited out for like a, a late Monday night dinner or something, I know that if um, either of us get super tired at the start of the week, it really impacts training yep. later in the week. But we're definitely all about... Um, all about a burger and some chips when, especially when training load, training load is high. Um, yep. even just, I, I had my birthday a couple of days ago and definitely had, you know, a number of champagnes and some cake and, um, all the good things. So, uh, we're definitely not short on that, but then we, um, we're quite good with all the other things. So, um, making sure that we have a lot of anti-inflammatory foods just generally, um, mm -hmm. to make sure that it's, it's really quality food. So we never actually eat, at poor quality stuff, but it's more about um, we're definitely not restrictive or um, don't say no to a lot of things. Um, just just make up for it in, in all of the good things. Oh, great. I was going to ask you because I know my past guest was, he went strictly um, plant-based. Yeah, um, I heard that So actually. is there anything, you guys don't do anything along, you know, similar vein? It's very balanced on your approach, I suppose. Yeah, so we went... Um, mostly plant-based essentially um about a year, a year ago, ago now uh, and that okay. was um probably not too surprisingly and, and not very originally off the back of a lot of rich roles um work that he does yep. on plant-based and and to do with recovery and performance uh, mm -hmm. and that made a huge difference yeah it was, it was massive um as far as feeling feeling much more recovered and sleeping better and um just feeling much better all the time more energy <laughs> and recovering faster yeah just not so up and down as well so um i'd say that and and once again we're not like crazy strict on that like if someone's going out for ice cream you know we'll go and grab an ice cream or whatever but generally mainly stick to, to plant-based stuff yeah um it just you know my eating real food is just huge and i tell a lot of people you get a lot of people going to get supplements and supplement for this and, you know, throwing random things in a blender that it looked like a powder and just go out and get their real source. So yeah, it's just, it's so good to hear people that are still advocates for eating real food. Yeah. And, and I would say that's about as, as strict as it gets, like mainly plant-based, but, but whole foods is the absolute dream. And, and I think you really notice a difference as soon as you're eating stuff that's processed. Um, yeah. And especially, you know, even the gels that you might have during a race sometimes can really hit you for sick. So we've tried to cut out a lot of those, um, the gels or the processed things on training runs especially and just try and have, you know, like roasted sweet potato from home or um, things that we've actually made ourselves. So um, just trying to do as much of that as possible. And then we can kind of be a little bit flexible with every now and then if it's not, you know, if it's not like that, it's fine. But yeah, that's the goal. Where we can, we try to insert real food. Yeah. So in terms of your careers, though, just switching back to that, do you find it hard being in that fitness industry? And, also, you know, you might even know of people, even when you walk into a gym, and, you know, there are, it's a bit of a cowboy mentality. How do you find, how do you separate that and keep yourself, it doesn't impact you in your career? Um, I, think, um, I think there's a lot of variation in fitness now. You know, like there's a lot of ind people with individualized approaches, like from CrossFit mm -hmm. to bodybuilding. And trail running's already kind of out 
outlawish. Like people uh-huh. already yeah. think we're absolute weirdos in that scene. <laughs> like, yeah, like literally, oh, like anyone I work with is like, oh, hand off to the trails this weekend, and they are all saying they couldn't imagine anything worse and yeah. couldn't be more excited. So to be honest, they're already kind of expecting. Um, to be a little bit different. Um, so when I crack open my lunch with zucchini noodles and falafels, um, yeah. they're not surprised. And it's just <laughs> yeah. very much like with what they expect anyway. Um, so while we're not there, you know, weighing our macros or, or worrying about that type of thing, um, I, I think it's kind of what they expect. We're just, we're very open and open and honest about that approach. And I think people, as soon as you own who you are, people embrace that and, um, there's definitely not been a lot of judgment. They're just like, okay, well, you do you, but I'm going to be over here yeah, exactly. <laughs> doing the opposite. <laughs> yeah. So you've spoken about your running bucket list. What's on bucket list? Sorry, you cut it. You cut out there. You said about running bucket list. Oh, it's cutting out again. Yeah. yeah, your your bucket list. So you've life bucket list. The life bucket list. Sorry, can you say that one more time, Erwin? Yeah, did you, did you lose me again? Yeah. Well, yeah. What have you got on your life bucket list? Uh, cool. Oh, yeah. um, oh, that's a good question. Um, you know, as Hen had mentioned earlier about running trail retreats, that would definitely be a bucket list um, career thing for both of us. Um, I would love to oh, – so many things. It's hard to choose just one. Um, I don't know. I think the thing is that we're, it, that's constantly, like, I feel like we think of something and then we go and do it. So it's not like mm-hmm. there's not too much that's left undone on there. It's just like a constant evolution. Um, and it's affected a lot by people that we, um, we run into all the time. So, you know, like yourself talking about your favorite race and then adding that to the potential um, to comrades or whatever. Yeah. So I, I don't think there's anything in particular on there right now, but it's just constantly changing and developing. So I, I think the, the state, the trip to the US is, is a pretty big one for both of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and we've actually left most of it unplanned because we aren't, we haven't exactly found what we want to commit ourselves to yet, which is exciting. Um, so just kind of reaching out again to the trail community and seeing what's out there. Yeah, for sure. I think I think doing a lot more in the space of um, bringing together trail running and um, being in nature and, and mental health, um, and then kind of working that into business somehow. Like whatever that looks out, we'll we'll keep you in the loop. Everyone. We we clearly are not, <laughs> are not clear on it right now. No, great. Um, so just finishing off, I suppose if if I said if I asked you to give me three tips for people listening to this that are interested in taking up running or fitness in any form what would they be? Um, I would say number one is before you go to bed at night, make sure you put your gear at the end of the bed the next day so that it's like, I always say, you know, like that you're, you're thinking of your future self so that when you wake up in the morning, it's there. But the moment you put on your shoes and get out the door, you don't have a second, a second to just guess what's going on or change. Um, so I think just like get your shoes on and get out the door and just, just move would be my first one what's yours um i would say try and find a trail buddy to go running with you or trail community um because having that accountability is is such a win and then also just like do do things you enjoy so whether it's running or fitness or dancing like weightlifting whatever it is like one of our biggest things is about making movement fun 
And I think people are much more consistent um, and just happier as humans if we, if we do movement that we enjoy. So keep moving, stay active, but make something, do, do what lights you up. Yeah, do the things that spark the most joy in you. <laughs> and in terms of life mantras, do you have any and why? Oh, um, classic David Goggins, is it? I, I didn't come this. I didn't come this far to only come this far. That's a big one for me, in especially in ultras. Like in Margaret River, that was really, really rough for me. Um, I stuffed up my nutrition, and I was just in a hurt locker for about fifty kilometres. And that whole time, I was just like, "Come on, you didn't come this far to come this far. Like, let's let's just get it done." Um, so that would be my main one. Um, and one of mine is. Um... You're, oh, I'm totally blanking on it at the moment. Failure one? Yeah, the failure one. That <laughs> <laughs> um, when you think you've hit failure, you're oh, actually yeah. only at 40% of your potential. Yeah, that's it. Um, so you've got so much more. That one. I've probably butchered that as well. Yeah. But, so, yeah. <laughs> oh, perfect. Um, all right, so where can people find you? Social media. Um, so if you, yeah, if you jump on Instagram, we're, we're pretty active on there. So at um, Sydney Trail Sisters, we love a good story about the weekend and also just would love to connect and hear where your favourite trails are um, in Australia or, or abroad. Um, it'd be awesome to run with, especially if you're in Sydney, we'd love to reach out and, and chat and go for a run or, yeah, if, you, if you're dropping into Sydney, hit us up. We'd love to oh, hear perfect. from you. Awesome. Thanks so much, ladies. Um, so there you have it, listeners. The Sydney Trail Sisters, and um, yeah, hope you enjoy listening to this recording. Thank you so Thank much you for so having much. us.